Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis. I'm Father Joe Krupp and you are not in today. Today, today is Thursday, April 6th, the year of our Lord 2023, or as we say in the Roman Catholic Church, Holy Thursday. It's a big day for us and I'm excited to keep walking us through these uh, holy days. Now, uh, as a side note, Today, if you're in the Diocese of Lansing, the priests of the Diocese of Lansing have been at Mass. A few of us missed it because of hospital calls or burials or whatever, uh, but for the most part, they gathered there to uh, pray together, to uh, receive the oils from the bishop, as we talked about yesterday. Oh, we talked about all this. So, uh, today, the only thing left is our Mass of the Lord's Supper, which at Holy Family is going to be at 7, and at St. Mark's going to be at 7. And uh, the procession then with the Blessed Sacrament from the church to the garden, right? So a uh, big night for us tonight, and I'm pretty excited about it. I'm also excited because we're joined today by Viper, who's here, uh, none other than Bill Harris with how many Emmys? 10, no, you've got more than that, right? Don't you have like 10 Emmys? Who's literally merited 10 Emmys. Now, I have a niece named Emmy, and I feel like that's pretty close to the same thing. Yeah. So uh, thanks for being here. She is. I love her. My angel. Ah, so uh, anyway, today is the day we're going to walk through Good Friday and Holy Saturday. And then tomorrow's Friday. So what the show will be is showing the procession of the cross through the neighborhoods. A kind of call to worship, right? Uh, walking through neighborhoods and reminding everyone that uh, this is one of the most important days of the year for us Catholics. Um, and uh, then on Saturday, uh, obviously we won't have a show, but Carrie and I are going to record a show for next Wednesday because I won't be here. Um, well, I'll be alive, I think. I mean, I could get killed. And if so, Carrie, you can have my stuff. Uh, but um, we're going to record a show. And what I'm going to do is this. We're backlogged on questions. And so we said, well, why not just tackle a ton of questions? Uh, because we're not doing question and answer this week. So we'll do two of them next week. Uh, so that's what we got. Uh, that's our That's our order of worship. Please turn in your hymnals to page 222. Yeah, so next Wednesday, the reason I won't be here is because uh, I'll be at the funeral for Father Jim Shaver, who I'm asking us all to pray for. I'm also asking us to pray for Boston University, who is in the uh, Frozen Final Four uh, tonight, I believe. And so is Michigan. So is some other school. Yeah, uh, that we don't really care about. But, uh, yeah, who is who are you guys playing Minnesota. Oh, wow, Minnesota. Did you see the Vikings changed their logo? If you get a chance, it's weird. I think I like it or I hate it. I don't, I'm not sure. I looked at it like four times and I think they got a little too clever. I do. But I know this is unrelated to Minnesota uh, Vikings. This is the Minnesota University of Minnesota who will be playing Boston University. So we are going to root for Boston tonight because that's whom Jesus loves best. In he, hockey, nothing he else. He didn't go to BU. He went to that school in East Lansing. Right. right. He, he went, went to, to, I don't know if you know this. It's a little known fact. He went to the MSU for his undergrad, and he went to Boston for his uh, grad work. Yeah. Yeah. He was kicked out for being Catholic. Um, it is. It's a Methodist <laughs> university. <laughs> so, yeah, the Methodists were like, sorry, pal. No communion for you. Uh, but anyway, so with that, I say we launch right into Good Friday. Um, <clears throat> or wait, did you got something for me, big bro? I, I got a, a quick story to pass along. I'm sorry to jump in. No, giddy up. But the whole Good Friday, I was getting my hair cut yesterday. And a non-Catholic, she's a wonderful <laughs> lady here in town. Yeah. And she started asking me about our Holy Family plans for oh, sweet. the week. And I talked to her about the procession. Yeah. And she was just enamored. So oh, maybe man. if any of the people out there watching 
where do they go to find out the routes? Hey, that's a great question. Uh, and this was not a setup, right? This was Viper legit asking. Uh, so the question is, if we uh, want to try to physically be present for the procession of the cross, if you go to our parish uh, webpage, HFGB, Holy Family Grand Blank, dot org, uh, and that's org as in organ. I don't know. Uh, you'll see the maps there. Uh, do you know, care how many are we do in three routes, four routes, four routes. So there are four places you can go in the city of Grand Blank or township and, uh, see the cross as it processes by. Um, it was funny last year. I don't know if you remember, there were times we walked 10 minutes and didn't see a human. And there were times humans were just packed together it was lovely uh and those times i was carrying it kind of quote unquote alone were just as lovely there was just something beautiful about well no one can see it right now right well god can see it and he can see the faithfulness of this parish who sends me out to do that you know um i i just thought this wednesday i had another one of those times where uh i got emotional about there were people who waited an hour and a half to go to confession on Wednesday. And granted, it was last chance confessions, right? That's our last scheduled confessions. We've done over 70 man hours of confessions this Lent. Did I tell you I figured that out? We were at about 72 man hours of confessions this Lent, just at Holy Family. I didn't even count St. Mark. Um, and uh, wow. You know, what a blessing. Uh, but, um, yeah, okay, let's look. Oh, if if you need to go and you haven't gone yet, St. John and Fenton apparently has some confessions tonight. Uh, so check out their website. Uh, Father Bob's a good priest. Um, yeah, groovy. Okay, so uh, let's talk about Good Friday. Here at Holy Family, we will begin with the procession of the cross. Uh, four neighborhoods, four crosses, four clergy, uh, just walking through neighborhoods and praying the whole time and uh, hoping, I guess, in a sense, the community sees us, although that sounds wrong. I don't mean it for any other reason except for them to know this is what we're all about. Right, this is what we're all about. And you're welcome to join. Yeah. Yeah, you can watch us again on this channel or uh, on our Facebook page or or in person. Yeah, just come out and pick a spot. Yeah, stand in someone's line, leave your garbage, lawn, slate, leave your garbage there. No hamburgers. Right. Wouldn't that be funny? Be like, those darn Catholics, they left all those fish sandwich wrappers in my yard. And beer. Yeah, because we can have beer. Uh, so... First, let's start with this. On the Good Friday service itself, it begins differently, right? Uh, it begins in silence. That the priests and servers process forward in silence. They bow to the altar or like if they can, they might genuflect toward the Blessed Sacrament. But then we lay face down on the floor, right? And and why do we do it? Uh, we're doing this. This is how the church describes it. The significance of this action is the abasement of early ma earthly man and also the grief and sorrow of the church. That we are abasing ourselves before God, before his throne, which is a cross. Yeah. Um, and the grief and sorrow of the church for what? For the fact that we're awful. Uh, for the fact that we have sinned and we continue to sin, that we're who, we're, we who are supposed to be Christ on earth uh, usually and often act like his opposite. Um, so we're, we're laying down as a sign of abasement, namely humbling ourselves before our king on his throne, which is the cross, and we're expressing grief and sorrow for our sins as a church. Yeah. Um, at that point, then the priest does an opening prayer. He does not say, let us pray. He just launches into an opening prayer. Right. This is not a mass. There's no such thing as a mass on Good Friday. We are not allowed to have them. Right. Uh, you cannot have mass on Good Friday. 
you cannot have mass before sunset on Holy Saturday. Those are the them's the rules. Um, so once that happens, you hear readings just like at mass. You hear a first reading, a psalm. I'm just uh, a. We always used to do that. P as in psalm or pterodactyl. P as in pterodactyl. We used to do that, and it would drive my mother nuts. So uh, after that, the priest gives, quote, a brief homily. And I think part of the reason the church asks us for a brief homily here is, again, a recognition that there's a lot going on here. Yeah. And the defining trait of Good Friday is silence. The Good Friday service. You'll see this over and over. A defining trait is silence. Now, the church as a general rule considers music a part of silence, which I know is weird for our little for our little uh, brains, right? I can never wrap my head around that. If we're chanting a psalm, the church calls that silence, right? Why? Because it's it's kind of a directed silence. Listen to the words. Think about them. Yeah. Uh, it's not music to entertain you. And it's an easy mistake to make. A lot of churches make that mistake, in my mind. That music, oh, the music was great. I'll tell you, I've been in churches where the music's awful, and it's brutal. I get it. But the goal of the music is not to entertain. It's to worship, right? It's to pray. Uh, so anyway, la, la, la. The priest will give a homily. What will he give it on? We have a pretty broad range of topics to choose from. Um, I find talking about suffering, uh, that that's a good time to do it. I find uh, it's a good time to talk about Jesus' specific suffering. Uh, I find it a good time to preach on a lot of different topics. Uh, uh, I think one of the most important for us in these days is to talk about Jesus' reminding us of what power looks like that by the worldly definition um power was pilot but in our understanding jesus was power how did he show his might by laying it all down by not flexing yeah and this is where i i see as a side note and i think i might harp on this and and it's what i do sorry uh, but this is where I can't get this into our brains enough. Uh, so much of religious social media is taking the party line of the Democrats or the Republicans and subordinating the gospel to it. Yeah, subordinating the gospel to it because we put all our hope in politics. So uh, in the end, what happens is when our politics doesn't line up with our faith, we just either pretend it's not happening or we explain how the faith needs to grow and change. Namely, how the 2,000-year-old church needs to be more like I think. Yeah? And then what ends up happening is you get the backlash from the right or the left, and, and it's always the same thing. Jesus wants you enraged. Jesus wants you to fight. And he does. I want to be clear. But he doesn't want you to fight like the devil. He wants you to fight like he does. Um, and how does he fight? By dying, by serving the people who hate him. And any Christian media that preaches different is not preaching Christ crucified. Yeah, they're preaching what they want to be true. Uh, I only bring that up because just yesterday someone sent me this kind of tragic email from a Catholic media who was talking about the sissification of Christianity and then described um, what Jesus did. Yeah. Um, yeah, we, we just want to be conscious of this. We really do. Um, our hope is not in the Democrats. Our hope is not in the Republicans. Neither of them have any connection to Christianity or Jesus. And we will stand before God for the fact that we've taken those two parties and pretended either of them have anything to do with God. They have to do with power, not God. Our hope is in Jesus. We act like Jesus. We don't vote for Pontius Pilate to save Jesus. Yeah? Okay.
So that's one that's that's one option. See right there. Sorry about that. Uh, I kind of went on and on. Now, after this comes what we call the solemn intercessions. And this is the one where I think the best way to describe it, if you've ever been to a holy or what do you call this thing? Good Friday service. Let us kneel. Let us stand. You know, it's it's hilarious. It's just the sound of, of uh, kneelers shattering the floor uh, over and over. It's very prayerful. Um, so uh, what do they do? These are a series of intercessions that are chanted or said. Now, I'm a fan of saying them, and I'll tell you why. Because they're gorgeous. And... I don't know how to explain it, but like the Lord be with you. That's not chanting. That's singing four notes badly and quietly, right? Uh, chanting is intentional. It's beautiful. It's not just, I don't know how to explain it. It drives me nuts, right? So if you can freaking chant, yeah, chant it. If not, say it because these prayers are gorgeous and challenging and powerful and really try to fix on them even more, in my opinion, than the homily. And I'm preaching tomorrow, right? I, I say that as the guy preaching tomorrow. Uh, focus. If you're like, I got enough attention span for one thing. Trust me, I get it. Pick the intentions, right? Because they are stunners. Um, and I don't know if we're chanting or saying them. I don't, but we'll find out. <clears throat> as a general rule, church rules say, as a general rule, church law, church rubrics, right, uh, say the deacon, if there's a deacon present, the deacon should do the petitions or intentions. Hey, oh, hit me. Uh, they're saying it because Deacon Daniel said something. Saying or singing? Saying, groovy. And I think, I, I, you know, again, I'm a fan. Now, I've heard them chanted gorgeously right but it's hard to do right just singing one note over and over because that's what it let us pray for our holy father the pope that the lord would guide him and lead him and all you know blah, blah, and you're just like holy crap you're holding that sea for a bit um and it's hard to not fluctuate it to get flat to get sharp whatever it may be yeah you know if you get flat you know what the key is lift your eyebrows it works yeah Chuck said, you still stink. That's what, Oh, Chuck just walked in. Viper laughed, and Chuck is here. Either that, or did you just transform? Oh, he transformed. Sorry. <laughs> Do you know, honestly, Chuck, when Bill walked in, he said something about, yeah, I don't know if you've been to so-and-so, but I get my hair cut by him. I'm like, what makes you think I'd go get my hair cut? Well, what does that involve? Anyway. Okay. So, uh, now, uh, Let's not do this. In the end, these prayers that we're saying are old, very old. Every once in a while, the church might add one. Why would she add one? And then if she adds them, it's temporary. So like this year, you might hear an intention for the Catholics in Nigeria or India, right, who are suffering unspeakable uh, horrors. Uh, and of course, the news isn't going to report this because uh, A, they're Catholic and they're not white. So, uh, but here's the key um, in Nigeria and India last year, uh, terrorists planted bombs to go off during Holy Week services. And it worked. You may remember, do you remember this, sis? Last year, I posted a picture of a statue of our mother covered in blood. And, and fragments, right? Uh, and you know what those guys are going to do? Dead serious. They're going to go to church again this year. Yeah. All they've done is driven church attendance up, right? And it's such a remarkable contrast to Americans who I'm begging to go to church. Not for our attendance stats. We don't care about those. And frankly, they're really good. But because this is the best thing in the world, when we look at all the troubles in the world, when we look at all the hate and the rage, and we keep adding our voices and being hate-filled and rage-filled, but of course, toward what's right, we miss the whole thing of maybe once a week, 
doing something that is all about God and not all about me, maybe that'll help me be a better person. Maybe just for something crazy, receiving the living God into my body in the form of bread, maybe that's good for me. Maybe that's better for me than whatever else I'm doing. Right. Is it, it is an amazing thing that all persecution has done is drive Catholics into church. And all of our comfortable lifestyle in the West has done is have people kind of stroll away. It's fascinating, isn't it? But you'll see, we might you might hear a petition particular. Oh, Guatemala, too. Uh, I don't know if you read all those articles. If you don't subscribe to thepillarcatholic.com, Jesus wants you to. Uh, it is by far, in my opinion, the best news source out there. They don't do salacious clickbait headlines. They actually do this crazy thing called reporting. Uh, I know. And I am so amazed by them. But they did a whole thing of the testimonies of the Guatemalan Catholics who escaped. Uh, they talked about being tortured, about their imprisonment. We might pray for them too, right? Uh, I don't know if you saw one guy, um, the bishop there that they arrested in Guatemala, and they've tortured him and mutilated him and starved him. And they finally let, I think it was his sister come in. Did you read this? So, of all things, she brings him one of those little N95 masks. Did you see that, bro? Oh, my gosh. So, he was like, what the heck is she doing? Uh, well, she had snuck a host in, a consecrated host. And he said it. Uh, yeah. They're not arguing about gender down there. So, um... Yeah, I just earned myself a YouTube uh, thing. Now they're going to pull this one. Uh, so we're going to do the uh, solemn intercessions and the, the church. If you hear an added intention, your priest didn't write it, your, your a lay person didn't write it, that came from Rome or your bishop. That's the only way you're allowed to add to these. Um, and uh, it's pretty groovy, okay? Um, so after that... So what have we had so far? We've had the procession in silence with the humbling uh, and, and penitential act of lying prostrate. I was going to say lying prostrate. I'm like, one of them's not the word I'm looking for. Yeah, yeah. The R is the key word here, letter here, right? Prostrate. You heard that one, right, about the priest who uh, gets to heaven. Uh, he, he's let into heaven. And he's all excited, and, and he was a, a researcher in his lifetime. Do you know this joke? And the Lord says, bro, you're in. What do you want to see first? The library. Lord, I just want to see the library in heaven. And the Lord takes him there, and it's just, it's a bajillion books. And this dude's in heaven. And he doesn't leave for six years, right? Well, literally in heaven. Yeah, now that I think about it. Do you know this one? And finally, after six years, he comes out and he just is shocked and he's like, R, R, can you believe there was an R? And another person approaches him and says, What? He says, It was celebrate, not celibate. And I don't know. I just thought that was. Oh, really? Oh, good. Okay. I didn't know if that was a priest joke. Like, priests tell that and we're like, Ha, ha, ha. You know, we're always sure you tell a lay person, we're like, yeah, okay, Father. Th thanks for playing. A little bit of a mistranslation there. So, <laughs> there was an R. So after the homily is the solemn intercessions, which take a bit. There's, there's a lot of them, uh, but again, lovely. And then is the adoration of the Holy Cross. So what the rules are is... If humanly possible, one cross. The rules are pretty strict about that. Um, I've been at churches where we had 10, right, because there were a billion people at Mass, and at that church, people didn't really care about the rules. Um, university parish. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, sorry. So, um, what do they do? 
after the intercessions, the deacon or the priest will head to the back of the church and pick up a cross and then begin. There's two ways to do it. The most common way is this. He'll stand at the back of the church and chant, Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the Savior of the world. And we will reply, um, Hey, God, how's it going? Or so, Shoot, let us adore him. Or uh, Shoot, I just froze. Come let, us, come let us worship, I think. That's exactly what we do. Uh, so then he gets halfway up, removes some of the covering from the cross, does it again, but a little higher. Behold! Okay, and then he gets to the front. It's I, something like that. I thought it was, let, come, let us worship. But I think that's the one when I was a kid. Yeah. No. yeah. No. Now it's like, hey, how's it going, Lord? Thanks. Or something. Yeah. Props to my peeps in the hood. I think the word adore is in there. Let us adore him or something. I don't know. Either way, this happens three times. And each time, the holy deacon or the priest is uncovering more of the cross until the final time when he's at the front and the cross is completely uncovered. And we just kind of gaze at that beautiful cross. And then they set it down. And at this point, oh, and by the way, cross, not crucifix. This is specifically the adoration of the cross. A crucifix is a cross with a corpus, right? You got to remember that. A crucifix is a cross with a corpse. This is just the cross. Now, what if my priest does it wrong? Jesus doesn't care, right? He can deal, you know? Uh, and who knows? That just might be what they got. But either way, um, candles are put beside the cross, some incense is lit, and then people come forward after the priest and they reverence the cross. Now, you do not want to do this one at a time. It will take 352 years. Um, you come forward because, you know, you can touch it, kiss it, genuflect to it, bow to it, hug it. Um, I remember, I don't know if dad, dad's here now, if dad remembers when my mom first, her first Good Friday where she was symptomatic with Alzheimer's. She could still function. She could kind of fake you out. You, you, If you didn't engage her in a long conversation, you would not know she had Alzheimer's. Coolest thing I ever saw, Good Friday, she walked right up to the cross and she hugged it and she kissed it. And it was so real. Man, intense stuff. So people come forward and reverence the cross. Um, then the deacon or priest or whatever takes the cross back and then returns with the Eucharist. Now, on Holy Thursday, you consecrate a lot of hosts. Um, why? Because you cannot have a Mass on Good Friday for any reason. So you need to already have consecrated hosts. Oh, is there something for me to know? Yeah, oh, question. let me take a peek. Say it. Difference between adoration and veneration. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I got to think about that. Isn't that funny? Um, Uncle Chuck, can you look that up? Or John, one of you guys? Uh, that's really funny. Um, I know adore. All right, adoration, adore, if I remember right, is just looking at, whereas venerate, there is a physical action with it. I, mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I. So adoration is the term that is reserved for worship of God alone. Yes. Oh, praise God. Okay. Gosh, Chuck, uh, thank you. So if you didn't hear, adoration we do to God alone. Veneration we do to his faithful people. Like you venerate your mom. Your mom's with the Lord. Uh, you, you venerate um, the memory of our saints and their actions uh, and maybe their relics. Right. Wow, Chuck, that's super helpful. You know what I assumed? That adore was no action and venerate. There's action. But no, adoration for God alone, veneration 
is the way we honor those who followed God or follow God. Yeah, nicely done. I'm glad I knew that and pretended I didn't so that you wouldn't feel stupid. I think I think Dad died inside a little just now. I, I do. Okay, so the priest takes the cross back, comes back with the hosts that we consecrated the night before. Now, where have they been? Uh, they have been in a safe place, not in the church. Or if they're in the church, they're not visible to people. At this point, remember, our goal is a stripped-down church, right? We are just stripped down to nothing. Um, why? Because this is about the absence of God, in a sense. In a sense. Okay. So, uh, and it is funny, I didn't catch this until last year. It says, when the deacon and priest are bringing the blessed sacrament, they should take a shorter route than they did with the cross. And I, I don't know if that's just, and again, you know what? You guys don't care. Sorry, this is rules stuff. Uh, but it's really interesting. A part of me just wonders if it's about procession versus practicality. You're processing with the cross. You are moving the blessed sacrament, right? You're not processing with it. But I don't know. Totally speculating. Um, so now we dress the altar, right? What does that mean? We put a major cloth on it. Then we put what's called the corporal on it. What is that? That's the nine square cloth that the priest puts on the altar before he would ever put the blessed sacrament on it, right? So even when you go to adoration and you see them bring out the monstrance, right? Yeah, the, that's the large thing that the large host goes in. Yeah, right? Monstrance from the Latin word uh, uh, to reveal, to demonstrate, right? To, to show, um, and, uh, and what do we call that? The Luna, which is the little thing inside the monstrance that has the big host in it. And why do we call it the Luna? Cause it looks like the moon, right? That's the word for moon, Luna. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Isn't that funny? Well, and if you, that's where we get the word lunatic. Did you know this? No, dead serious, right? That on full moons, they believed that people lost their mind at a higher rate and they called them lunatics. Right. People for whom the full moon just messed them up. Yeah, true story. Uh, huh? What? There must have been because how many saucy people do we got at church right now? Right. Do you notice that? Like right now, I'm like, I, I just told dad the other day, I'm like, is it me or is everybody fighting right now? But the good news, everyone's right. No. Oh, yeah, I think things have simmered down a little, but not much. <sighs> no, I'm there. Okay, anyway, so how do we get there? Corporal. Corporal is the cloth that we lay down. So they'll lay down the corporal. They'll put the blessed sacrament on the altar, and then the priest will put on what we call a humeral veil. It's a cape. Yeah, it's a white cape with a little hook in front. Or wait, no, it'll be a red cape, won't it? Because it's Friday. Well, he might not have a red cape. I don't think we do, do we? Mine has a big S on it, and the church said, don't do that. <laughs> Turns out Halloween costumes are not entirely appropriate. So the priest um, holds one of the hosts up and says, behold the Lamb of God. You know this one. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are... Oh, no, I'm saying the old one. Isn't that funny? Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Yeah? Oh, what is it, sis? So remember we were talking about the procession of the cross, and I couldn't remember. Behold the wood of the cross on which hung the Savior of the world. Oh, on which hung the sea. I'm doing the old one, sis. On which hung the salvation of the world, and then God's people reply, How's it going, Jesus? Or something. Hey, thanks a lot, Jesus. Yeah. Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord. That's how you do bad chant, right? Remember me when you come into your kingdom, Lord. All right, anyway, whatever God's people respond, we know not. Um, so the priest, sorry, behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. And then we quote the Roman centurion from Scripture. Lord, 
I'm not worthy that you would enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul will be healed. Right? These are part of those translations they did in 2011, where they tried to make sure our translations were more accurate in terms of Latin and scripture, right? So that our responses are scriptural. Yeah. Anyway, then the priest communicates. And at this point, we will distribute communion like normal. Now, traditionally, the choir chants Psalm 22 at this point. Um, and afterward, we remove the Blessed Sacrament from the altar, right? We strip it back down, and the priest will say, let us pray and say a short prayer, and then processes out in silence, okay? Now, at that point, if there's anything left in church that we haven't stripped out, we strip it out. But the key is to leave the church in silence. That's our Good Friday service. Okay. How are people doing, by the way? Really good. Yeah, groovy. Okay. So now at our church, we revived an old custom. And I don't know how many churches are doing this, but uh, I have a feeling I said something stupid. No? No. Oh, okay. Uh, but then on Good Friday night, after the sun sets, you pray a service called Tenebrae. Tenebrae is a Latin word, means darkness. And um, you come into the church and the lights are off. I imagine we'll have to dim them or something. I don't know, because we don't want people wiping out. Or if they do wipe out, we want to make sure we are in their will before. What do they call that? Legacy giving or something? Every once in a while, one of those companies will call us, we can help you with legacy gifting. And what that means is we can help you convince people to put the church in their will. And I'm like, I'm not having that conversation. Right, unless they're under 50. I, I, even then I'm awkward. But if they're over 50 and you're like, hey, when you die, can you leave us some stuff? You say that to someone over 50 and you're kind of a jerk. It's like the prodigal son, right? Hey, I can't wait till you die. Can I get my stuff now? And the good news is families love it when churches do that. Ooh. You know, this is happening more and more. Do you know this? Did I tell you guys this? We, we even got a letter about it at one point that a lot of people put it in their will. They want to leave gifts for the church. But for the first time in my lifetime, like the last 10 years, kids are fighting it, going to court. I, I, they want that. They want that cash. And I, I, I always say, don't fight them. Dear God, if money is that important to them. But on another level, you're like, but it's what they wanted. And I don't know what to do with that. It only happened to me once where a, a dude died and left the church 5,000 bucks. And at my parish then, that was a game changer. And the kids went nuts, calling the rectory, threatening us. They had a lawyer call. And, and honestly, they got 20 each. So it's like, why do you? In the end, I just went, just take it. Dear God. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, they fell on that thing like a fat man on a ham sandwich. Uh, <laughs> I, did. I took a picture of the check. I was like, well, we'll put the picture of the check in the collection. But, yeah. Anyway, why are we talking about this? Does anyone know? Okay. Oh, we have another one? Well, a question about the holy oil. Okay, let's get up there. Whoops, I can't. Hold on. What I do, I got to blow this screen way up. So let me shrink it and get back up there, and then I can blow it up again. Okay, hold on. What do you, oh, I mean, thank you. Excuse me. I said hold on dismissively. All right. Uh, what do you do with the leftover holy oils from the previous year? Can we slash should we use them to light the Easter fire? That's it. we do. The I When I'm in charge, that's what we do, and I don't know what others do. Uh, you can pour it all on a cloth and burn the cloth. You can put it in the Easter fire, which is what we do. It's pretty flammable. Like if the fire's hot enough, it'll go. If it's a small fire, no. And did I ever tell you about the Easter fire I built my first year as a priest? Did I tell you about this? With a colander? No, that's that was the ashes. I screwed up the ashes that year, too. This is a true story. Okay. You can ask Father John Klein, because this was the stuff of song and legend. Um, So I was a brand-new priest, 28, and again, good news, I knew everything. So I had that going for me. Um, And 
John Pastor Klein, Father Klein, his thing was, you know what I would love? Because you've seen how this goes. I want when we light the Easter fire that it's not a challenge, right? Because uh, it's hard. It's always windy, and you're just, and I hate that click, click, those lighters, you know, and anything else. Ah, no, I just want to be able to touch a flame to the Easter fire and see a significant fire. And I'm a redneck. And all I heard is, make fire. I'm like, yes, Father. So I went to the hardware store. This is a true story. And, oh, I bought, I believe, 92 trillion paint stirrers. And I soaked them in kerosene. Right? So I got a bucket of kerosene. And John supported me, which was his sin. Okay? Uh, so then I took them and I stacked them, like two this way and two this way. So I'm making tic-tac-toes. I stacked it four feet high. And then I had taken newspaper, and I read about this, put newspaper in the oven at this thing to completely dry it, and then it becomes super flammable. I'm like, I got this. So all stuffed through the tower is super dry newspaper. And then like 10 minutes before mass, I poured kerosene on it. Yeah, you know, because who knows? And I really wanted to do the right thing, and I wanted fire. Yeah? So truly, in my defense, Klein pulls me aside right before, and he's like, now when I touch a flame to that, will it go up? I'm like, I think it will. You know, and I was nervous. I was nervous. So the brother gets out there, takes a, takes a weak handle, and they light it, and he hit that thing, and like NASA called. Yeah. Oh, that thing literally did that sound. <laughs> right? And 12 feet up, a tree caught fire. Right? So there was 12 feet from the top of the stack of fire sticks that I made and a tree. And the tree went, oh, I'm in. And I mean, it wasn't like a hellacious tree fire, but it was like that tree was damaged. And everybody jumped back, and there were eyebrows lost. And I was not allowed to make the Easter fire the next year. I told him, when it comes to fire, I can do constipation or diarrhea. I cannot do a healthy one. It's either going to be Hiroshima or you got to work for it. That's a true story. So the fire's not supposed to be burning when we get there. Doesn't matter. Now, that was the old rules. Okay. All right. And it was uh, one of those things where um, that was just important to him. You know, like as a priest, you got these weird little things that are important to you. Uh, um, and I don't know if they're weird. They're, they're, you know, they're more personal. Uh, but it is, I find it, I'm more like Klein and not in the sense of being a good priest or anything. But like to me, I hate that click, click, click right in the middle of the, no, it should be this. Beautiful moment. Uh, yeah. So there we go. Uh, so then also on Good Friday, we have a Tenebrae service, which is very short. I don't think it's 10 minutes, is it? Maybe 10? 15. Yeah. So you come into church, and it's darkness, and there are seven candles lit. And then the priest will read a part of a psalm, and they'll put out a candle. And they'll read a part of it, and they'll just keep doing this till the last candle's out. And all the psalms are the psalms that point us to the suffering of Christ. And then it ends with the sound of a stone being rolled in front of the tomb. Do you want to play that sound, Carrie? Or do you want to wait? Oh, you can play. You got to hear this. Because we've tried sounds, and it's not worked yet in the way we hoped. And so Carrie sent this to a buddy of ours, this request, who's an audio guy. And he's like, oh, I got this. So, uh, thank you, sis. So this is what you'll hear if you're at Holy Family or watching it. Which is basically law and order, right? Like, as soon as you hear it, you're like, uh, in New York City, the men and women, you know. Uh, you some copyright issues, is what you're saying? Right. Dun, 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 dun. Did I tell you I wrote lyrics to that? Law and order's on. Law and orders on the, 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 the TV. Oh, yeah. 
I wrote those. You're welcome. You're never going to hear that the same again. And poor dad, I've sang that to him. Like with the TV. On the TV. Okay. Poor Jesus. I, do you see why he took me out of the gene pool? So that's Tenebrae. And then again, we exit in silence. Then... Uh, Oh yes. Oh, beautiful. And you're not really supposed to put the fire out, right? You're supposed to let it burn. Um, that's why we do it in the school, because that way the church won't be injured. <laughs> Hello, insurance. We'd like a new building, please. What happened? Father's an idiot. That's what happened. <laughs> we have a redneck priest. Yeah, just the roof, yeah. We have a priest who is a redneck. Oh, yes, we have a box for that in our... All right, so, oh, wow, I got to move, don't I? Okay, so now we'll get to the longest one and the most complicated. This is a service, I got to tell you, have mercy on your church because you could really spend an hour a month for 12 months practicing, seriously, for Easter Vigil. It's still not going to be smooth. Uh, this will be my, theoretically my 25th one, but there were a few years where I did a few vigils, right? Which you're never supposed to do, but we ran out of space, which is a great problem. So anyway, la la. Uh, it starts with Luchar, Lucharna, Lucharnium. I can't say the word, the service of the light. Uh, there is uh, a fire outside that hopefully a priest from the city made, not a redneck. Um, and then the church's paschal candle is lit from that fire. The fire's blessed. The paschal candle is lit. And then the deacon carries the paschal candle from the fire into the church, three times stopping and chanting Christ our light. Okay. Uh, what's going on here? The paschal candle, it comes to us from the Greek word pash, where we get the word passion. Uh, it refers to a love that is so intense it consumes the person who has it. There's pain associated with this kind of love. Uh, in our society, we translate it sexually because that's our God. Uh, but that's not what it means. That's not what passion means. That's what eros means, where we get the word erotic. But when we say we have passion for someone. We're usually talking about sexual attraction. It's kind of the opposite of what they intended. Uh, passion refers to a love that is a that has an intensity to it that is consuming of the person who holds that passion, and it's a source of pain. Uh, I think the best example is a parent for their kid. Yeah, uh, where it just hurts to watch them suffer. Right. Or it hurts to see them making stupid mistakes. Uh, it hurts that you have to convince them you love them, but it consumes you, too. It, it, it consumes you. So we call this candle the Pasco candle because a it's a light, it's a flame, and it is our light in darkness. What is our light in darkness? That God loves us this much that 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 it, it consumed him. It consumed him. And that is our light in the darkness. Isn't that beautiful? And all year when we bury the dead and when we baptize little squeaks, we light that candle. Um, and we watch it get consumed. So like here, the big, it's so funny. I don't know if you remember the last few years, I've been trying to convince them, light that candle and keep it lit. And they're like, no, we got to save the candle. It is 83 feet tall. It will be fine. Uh, but <clears throat> at this point, that candle uh, is going to come in handy through the whole service. And we'll talk about it. When he gets up then, the deacon, uh, or if the deacon can't sing it well, a choir person chants what we call the exultet. Now, last year, I read the whole thing to you. And it's... It is a stunner, but I won't do that too because we're low on time. Uh, but it is an amazing prayer, probably to me the best one of all year. 
Uh, and it is a hundred years long. It is. Uh, it it takes a bit. Um, after that, now the church is still in darkness. The only light is the candles. Why? We're sitting in the tomb, right? Tomb is dark. Remember Tenebrae? We closed the tomb. Now we're sitting in the tomb. So the church is dark. Uh, we then begin reading a sequence of Old Testament readings and Psalms. And they recall for us the journey of the Jews, right? The Jews covenant all leading us up to Christ. Uh, they cover from creation all the way to the final promise in the Old Testament. Um, and then we turn the lights on, and for the first time in 40-some days, almost 50, we sing the Gloria. Right? And why are we turning the lights on? Because uh, we're singing the Gloria and the choir's got to see. I'm just kidding. No, it's the symbol of Christ is the light. And he has come. And what did the angels sing when Christ came? Glory to God in the highest. And on peace, and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. So we sing that. We actually are kind of creeping back to Jesus' birth. Christ has come. We're not in the darkness anymore. And we light every candle we can in church. Um, and we ring bells. Bring bells to church unless your priest is anal, right? Uh, if your priest is a control freak, don't. Uh, but otherwise, bring bells and start wailing on those puppies all during the Gloria. Uh, and why? We're just rejoicing. Lent is D-O-N-E. Yeah. And you know what else is D-O-N-E? Death. Done. He conquered it. Isn't that tight? Then we'll hear a reading from the New Testament. Then there's a little bit of chanting and then the gospel. And at this point, the priest will preach. I think we're required to preach, which I'm always tempted not to do on Easter Vigil because it's a 74-hour service. Yeah. Uh, after the homily, then we have baptisms. All the people, the adults who haven't been baptized and have been working for it, uh, this is when they get baptized. And uh, then... We all affirm our baptism by the priest. You reject Satan. I do. And all his works, I do. And while that's happening, Michael Corleone is killing people. That's just how it goes. That's a part of the ritual. Uh, Michael Corleone is sending people out to kill other people. Um, <laughs> we renew our baptismal vows. We get sprinkled with some holy water. Uh, as a reminder of that baptism, and Genevieve, last week when I was sprinkling with holy water, I put a gallon on her, and I did it on purpose because I love her. Um, after that, then uh, all the people who will be confirmed come forward, and I confirm them. Yeah, I'll seal them with the holy chrism that Uncle Earl is giving us probably right now, uh, which is fascinating to think of. And then it's just, if you'll excuse the phrase, Mass is normal. We move into the liturgy of the Eucharist, uh, the Eucharistic prayer, the whole thing, uh, and it's rocking. It, it, did I see my boy Jim? Yeah. Oh, oh, you can come in this door, bro. Um, so my buddy Jim Distelrath is here. Uh, Jim is like just my boy. I love him so much. And he just walked in, and uh, he helped me pick out my Tesla, him and his beloved. And we're Tesla brothers now. Yep. Uh, yeah, thank God his wife did most of the work because then it was done right. Exactly. That's, uh, yeah. And so, Jay Richard, you and me are Tesla brothers now. Yeah. Um, so, good stuff. Anyway, all of this is an anticipation of one day we're all going to be together in heaven. Yeah? And if you don't mind me getting a little cheesy, uh, one of the last times my mom could talk and, and she wasn't making a ton of sense, right? But there were five of us kids home and dad was home and all of a sudden she started crying. And every once in a while I got the sense she knew something was wrong with her, right? And it wasn't often, but, and I think that's what was going on, right? She was just standing in the middle of the room. She started crying. It was the first time she really cried in years. Um, and she was confused. And she was sad. And every kid and dad got up and we just put her in a big hug. Right? We all just this human ball of love. And as clear as a bell, it came to me, it's going to be like this in heaven. Like all the petty bickering of my siblings and I, 
all the fatigue of caring for mom, all of the drama in our lives, it was gone for like just about a minute while we just squeezed uh, this beautiful woman. Um, and all of this that we're doing on Holy Saturday at the Easter Vigil is to remind us, yeah, that our life on earth is such a tiny part of our existence. Uh, if you live to be a hundred, that's a tiny, tiny, that's a burp. Yeah. Whereas the Bible says, it's just a whiff of, it's just a puff of smoke. The eternal is the thing that matters. And the eternal for us being heaven is only possible because of Jesus. Yeah. Um, and that's what Easter's supposed to be about. Right. That's why Lent six weeks. Easter is seven. Right. Uh, because the joy is bigger. So um, Dr. Kraft, Peter Kraft, who I haven't quoted in a couple weeks, uh, put it this way. He said, if you have a child in the womb and it could talk to you. Right. And it, it could reason like an adult. It would have some questions. Right. It would tell you, I, I get these this protein and this nourishment. But all of it seems to be directed toward things I don't need. Right? That would baffle a child in the womb. Why am I getting legs? What are these things for? I don't need them. I can sit in this womb. I don't what are these for? Well, someday there's a world where you're going to use them. They couldn't what? Yeah. And why why do I have why is all of this energy going into my eyes? What are those things? Well, the first seeing. What does that mean? That child couldn't even understand seeing, let alone why they have eyes. And all of that would make sense to that child the moment it left the womb and entered the world. And Easter is our time to remember we're in a womb. And a lot of the pain we experience, a lot of the sorrow, we might be like, what is this all about? It's getting us ready for the next thing, which we can't even comprehend. Hey, St. Paul... Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor is the mind of man prepared to conceive what God has waiting for those who love him. I mean, isn't that cool? So that's the focus of this. And for the next seven weeks, we're just going to party like it's 1999 because what we know is that this very short time, very short time, and it's supposed to help us contextualize our lives to never forsake the eternal for the temporary. God won't care that Bill Gates is a billionaire. God won't care that somebody's dirt poor. That means nothing. His concern is, did you love me? Do you know me? Did you let me know you? Um, man, whew, this is me doing my day. Oh my gosh, it's after one, isn't it? I don't have my glass on, so it looks like, I think I see a one. Yes. Okay, was it a lot after one? No. Nope. Oh, groovy. Okay. So that takes us through. And then you, this is the funniest part to say, right? Holy Thursday, Good Friday, Easter Vigil are immensely complicated services. There are meetings that, uh, about the meetings so that you can have a meeting about how to practice these things, right? St. Alan Iverson, practice. We talk in practice. Uh, all those. Then you get to Easter Sunday. It's like, oh, it's Sunday Mass. Well, what do we need to do? Go go to mass, yeah. What are the What do we got to teach the servers? Nothing new. Uh, it's almost anticlimactic. It is, uh, and it's kind of funny. Um, so that's what we got. Yeah, that's what we got. Uh, and then uh, again for the next seven weeks, it's Easter. It's Easter. So uh, praise God. I think I've got us through everything. I blasted through Easter Vigil. Uh, in record time. Whew. I think we did it. Yeah. All right. So for tomorrow, is tomorrow good Friday? Yes. Tomorrow, don't forget, we'll be processing with the cross uh, through the neighborhoods in Grand Blank Township and City. And, um, oh, neat. Okay. Uh, and that's what we got. So that'll be the show in a sense. Oh, I will. I just thought I should finish the thing. Um, yeah, that'll be the show tomorrow. Processing with us with the cross. Uh, and then next Wednesday, uh, in a few days, however you want to say this, the next Wednesday that occurs, I will have recorded a show with your questions and answers. 
and I'm going to get after as many as I can. Um, and then next Thursday, uh, we've got more stuff to cover. We're going to walk through the post-Easter weeks because they're pretty groovy. And then Friday of next week is question and answer. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, uh, and thank you. Someone said Bishop Boyer wished me a happy anniversary at the Chrism Mass, which was lovely. I slipped him five bucks. I was like, get it done, Uncle Earl. Get it done. Yeah. Well, five bucks and a promise of obedience. Uh, <laughs> that's right. Um Tomorrow's my birthday. I will be 53 and still an idiot, I suspect. Right? Like, I remember when I was a kid, my brother turned 30. This is a true story. I will never forget it. And I thought, he's the smartest person in the world. Right? I was about 14. And somehow I got it in my head that 30 is when you figured it all out. And I carried that with me, like, as one of those thoughts you never think about. It's just a thing in the back of your head. At 30, you got it together. You know what's going on. Um... I want to be clear that did not happen. It didn't happen at 50. Although I think I'm happier than I've ever been. There you go. Which is nice. So like I do I remember my sister Lori told me 50 is the age where you're just like this is me. This is life. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. And I think she was right. She said 40 is the age when you start to it gets it's easier when you encounter just crazy people to go, "Huh, they're nuts." and move on yeah which which surprised me because i was always a guy who got hurt by it or obsessed about it or tried to figure it out but she always she, this was Lori. yeah you know Lori. she and that was her line once you hit 40 it gets a ton easier to just go huh guess they're nuts which is it's true can you do that can everyone here do that just look at crazy people and go huh they're nuts i can too and i don't know when that happened but 40s yeah yeah? You haven't hit 70. Okay. Viper? We're not friends anymore. Bill, we're your friends. I'm only 45. Okay. Janie is. What? 45. So, okay. Uh, so <laughs> here's what we'll do. We'll wrap up with a prayer, and I can't wait to see you beautiful people either tonight. And remember... Whether you go to Holy Family, whether you're at St. Pete's in Rome, whether you're at some tiny church whose name is unknown to all of us in Guatemala, it's the same Mass. So I am blessed to say I will see you at the next Eucharist. Uh, St. John's in Davison has confessions around 8.15 p.m. tonight. It said in the bulletin, confessions would be heard by all, would be heard until all are heard, which is what we did last night. Uh, to be clear, I'm just going to be blunt. If you've gone to confession during Lent, you should probably let other people go. That's what we keep running into. We keep turning away folks who we find out haven't been to confession in 10 years because someone, you know. So this might be a good time to examine your conscience and ask yourself, should I leave the door open to other people? Right? Just, just be aware of that. Oh, and may I say this? If you're in line and there's a mom who's clearly, or a dad, wrestling with squeakers, let them cut. Move them right to the front. Of, am I crazy? Why don't we? People don't do that anymore. Uh, but you should do that. Uh, right? Don't you think? I mean, that's tough, bringing little squigglies, you know. Uh, we're good at the judgy looks, but we got to be good at the uh, can I help? And one great way to help, get in front, right? Get them in front. Okay. Also, if you don't sin, you won't need confession. There's a pro tip, right? The more you know. Wait, what was it, G.I. Joe? Remember at the end of every... Uh, the more you know is that That's right. Oh, knowing is half the battle. Now you know, and knowing is half the battle. G.I. Joe! <laughs> Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Heavenly Father, what you have done for us is an act of passionate love. Your love for us consumed you to the point of death, death on the cross. We are so grateful to be loved that way. And what we ask for right now is the grace to accept that love, to not try to earn it. We ask for the grace to strive to be worthy of that love, that 
we see ourselves in the way you see us, that we see others in the way you see us, not as obstacles or means, but as just beautiful in and of uh, because of existence itself. You have saved us from hell, and we're so grateful. Father, there's a lot of people who have walked away from the faith, either just out of a lack of practice or because of anger or hurt or politics or because of the scandal of priests or lay people, whatever it might be, heal those wounds and get them home. Not to grow our numbers, that's ego, but to grow your kingdom so that there's more people loving you, more people striving more people believing. For all those people we love so much and worry about, Lord, and for all those situations in our lives that we fret about, we give it all to you because we love you and trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. My Kung Fu is strong. I will see you beautiful people tomorrow. And until then, peace I leave with you. Peace is my gift. Is it over? No, it's never over.